0: Hi there and welcome to the Engage Employee podcast. There is an irrefutable body of evidence which proves that organisations with engaged employees have more engaged customers and as a result gain long-term competitive advantage. The culture and commercial benefits of organisations taking a holistic view of their employee and customer engagement strategies are proven. For over a decade, we've helped some of the world's biggest brands engage with their workforce through our industry-leading conferences and online digital media. To find out more, visit engageemployee.com. In today's episode, our expert host, Kathy Brown, is joined by Carolyn Clark, Vice President, Corporate Marketing and Communications at Simpler. Carolyn has a rich background in internal communications with an impressive 16-year career that has positioned her as an expert in the field. In 2018, she founded After Ever Communications, following a decade at Yahoo. She collaborated closely with esteemed clients such as GoDaddy, Pandora, and Simpler, focusing specifically on communication strategy, with an emphasis on employee and HR communications. Now she has held the position of Vice President Corporate Marketing and Communications for almost two years at Simpler. We'll be discussing topics including the impact of AI on internal communications, the EX winter and its impact on emerging trends, and innovations in internal communications. Let's begin. Hi, everyone.
1: Welcome to today's Engage Employee podcast. I'm your host for today, Cathy Brown, and I'm delighted to be joined by Carolyn for this episode. How are you today, Carolyn? I'm doing really well, thank you. Excellent. We're going to be discussing the hugely important topic of what's next for internal comms and employee experience topic very close to my heart, particularly with my background in employee engagement. So I'm excited to hear Carolyn's thoughts um, on the emerging trends and innovations that are going to impact those areas of internal comms and employee experience over the next few years. And we're going to start with something that is really, I think, on everybody's minds at the moment, the impact of AI on internal communications. So Carolyn, um, how do you envisage artificial intelligence transforming the landscape of internal comms, particularly within organisations
2: over the next five years? Oh, Kathy, I wish we had five hours to talk about this because it is such an incredible topic. And, you know, here's the the thing that I think. I think it's about to transform in ways we can't even imagine. Mm -hmm. And um, a couple of things that right from the bat, you know, certainly as employee experience professionals and, and me, I've spent my whole career in comms. I spend a lot of time on strategic thinking, but I also spend a lot of time on administrative work, right? Things like refining communications and writing FAQ questions and all of these things that are at the heart of what, you know, communication for employees Mm -hmm. is to make sure we get the right answer. And I really think that we've struggled as a function um, to be seen as, as a strategic value for an organization. In other words, Um, I think we're seen sometimes as a nice to have. And how I think that AI is going to change that is, one, I think the people who are using it in the ways to speed up their own productivity, right? Mm -hmm. So if you're an HR professional or a communicator, if you start to use it to do things that speed up the tasks that take so much time, but that are not thoughtful or strategic, I think it is going to free up our time to be able to really make an impact Mm. in areas that matter. Um, And I'm happy to get into specifics if it's, you know, you tell me what would be most interesting because I read and talk about this all day long. Mm. Um, but I I think it would be really useful
1: actually for our audience if you could give us some specific examples. Yeah. Um, Yeah. I'll give you really helpful.
2: Yeah. I'll give you my favorite example from the last few months. You know, one of the things as a communicator that I feel like I constantly am doing is creating FAQs. You know, when you're announcing a big change to an organization, you want to make sure that you are checking all the boxes, answering all the potential questions. But what I've realized over the last, you know, 15, 20 years is that when I, as a communicator, am coming up with those questions, certainly I'm checking in with some employees, but the questions that I ask are biased based on my own experience. And so one of the things that I've been doing lately is I use ChatGPT, but you could certainly use any generative AI. And what I do is I have asked it to create certain personas. So imagine that we're making a big change to an organization, right? We're getting a new leader there. And the organization is an engineering organization, for example. Well, unfortunately, I am not an engineer. And so my, my the questions that I think they would have, I can try to guess them, but I don't know them for sure. And so mm. what I've done is I've asked ChatGBT to create these personas. So I've said, hey, create me a persona for an engineer, young in their career, English is mm-hmm. second language, give me all the profile aspects. So I do that, and then it mm-hmm. spits back the profile of that person, mm-hmm, yeah. and, and then I say, now, tell me what questions this person would have about this particular scenario. And it, every time, gives me things that I have not thought about. Yes. And I now do this on the regular, where I have about five different profiles engineers you know someone who's in your general administration like finance or HR then I go to the other side and create profiles for someone who's like in operations and what it's done is it's just expanded my capability of getting to the heart of what the employee is actually going to care about Um, so that's just one example that I'm loving Mm -hmm. lately.
1: (laughs) That's a brilliant example I'm going to go straight off and do that. (laughs) Um, I mean I Obviously, many people have misgivings about AI and how sure. it potentially could be used and misused. Um, so what challenges are you seeing around the use of it?
2: Yeah, you know, look, we are we are certainly in the infancy of AI, and I think it is absolutely reasonable to be cautious, right? And to be very careful, one, because most of us in the roles we live in in employee engagement, We know information that is proprietary to the organizations we work for. So we really would not want to put that into an AI system that would then could take that and use it negatively. So a couple of things there. One, I think it's good to be cautious. Two, I think it's great to be anonymous. And I... Often in any AI tool that I'm using, I'm going into an incognito mode where it is not capturing the information. It's not using it for its research, it's only yeah. using it for what I'm doing. So that's one thing. I think the other thing that I've been reading a lot about is people, and I understand it, are very concerned about the impact AI could have on their taking their jobs or them losing mm-hmm. their jobs. Mm-hmm, yeah, yeah. And particularly in commu- the communications function, I, I think there is a big fear there. And what I would say to those people, and one of my dear friends, his name is Sean Randall, he runs this wonderful uh, sub stack called Mr. Editorial. He mm-hmm. said this first, but he said, AI is not going to take your job, but someone using AI is going to take your job. Mm-hmm. And so I think the fear is rightful, but what I would encourage people is say, don't Let it get away from you. Start reading about it. Start understanding it, particularly for whatever your function might be, whether it's HR or communications or really anything.
1: No, that makes real sense. And um, I know one of the things that, that people think about is you know, particularly when we all go out there and we end up with chatbots and you're thinking, I'm not really interacting with a human here is It's how you retain um, that personal touch and the human element yes. that is so crucial in developing, you know, really strong organisational culture. So there's got to be a balance there, I think. Um, Absolutely. And, and so if you've got any insight for us in how companies can effectively create that balance. Yeah. Um, so that would be really interesting to
2: explore. Yeah. You know, I love what I, what I've been, I've been thinking about this a lot myself because when I'm using particularly again, that generative AI to either get me started on something or to what I'm realizing is the context is missing. And that is really the value that someone who knows the culture and the people of an organization bring. Mm. And so I think it is critical if you are using any kind of AI to make sure that you are, you're not just taking it and going with it. You are using it to supplement your tasks and your work, but you're maintaining the humanity and the context that you know so well. And then you're infusing that into it, whether it's, again, you're writing a mass communication for an organization or you're writing an article, you AI is not sophisticated enough, at least that I've seen. It can never understand the humanity in an organization that it is not in without input. But even then, I think that is where, you know, we really need to make sure that we're not being taken down a road of too much technology. We're remembering Mm -hmm. that humanity, right? We as humans flux every day, every hour. Our moods change. Our... Mm -hmm. Questions and concerns change. We're all dealing with different things and, you know, how we react to what's happening in the world or what's happening in our community. And so I think that is what the value that the professional brings to supplement with the productivity of an AI tool. Mm -hmm.
1: No, that makes sense, and I mean, I, I come from a quite a deep tech background. Far too many ah. years ago that I care to think. <laughs> it reminds me actually of the um, the early days of software development when you'd got people developing bits of software in their ivory towers and not actually yeah interfacing yes. with the real humans who were going to use those those software apps or elements or whatever they were, and you'd end up obviously with something that that didn't work um, because. Yes. Of, because it wasn't grounded
2: in the real life that was around it. Yeah. And, you know, the point you just made about, you know, kind of being in the ivory tower, this has been a problem for leaders mm. forever, right? They're, they're mm. often, unless they're incredibly intentional, the nature of their role is to be very high level and strategic and they're missing, you know, it's one of my biggest fears is that I'm missing what's actually the, what I would call like the tone and tenor of the typical employee. And mm-hmm. I I think some of that goes so much farther beyond AI, which is we have to find a way to get out, particularly leaders, right? They have mm-hmm. to find a way to get out of that ivory tower and authentically connect. And that's, I think, important for getting feedback. I think that's important for getting people to do the work you need them to do. Mm-hmm. I think it's important for recognition. But it's easy. I can see particularly, even as I, as a leader myself have started to, you know, get higher up in organizations, mm-hmm. I am acutely aware of, I cannot, I don't want to miss the authenticity that actually is happening in the subculture, What it, which I believe is the real culture of an organization is beyond what the leadership is. So it's, I, it's funny. I've just been thinking a lot about that ivory tower comment because, and it's been coming up lately because I think it's, Happening, And as organizations also, and I don't know if, you know, if you'd agree with this, Kathy, but as organizations are getting more lean in terms of trying to do more with less, I think leaders are, are busy and wrapped up and they're not taking the extra time to get in there and understand the person that, you know, that they're serving as a leader. Yeah, I would agree. And I mean, we're still, I think, a long way away
1: from that being a normal model of leadership. Um, yes. You know, and, and people will revert to a far more command and control type of action yes. when when they're under stress and when economic times are turbulent and, you know, times of change. So, yes, I think we're, we're a way off it yet, definitely. Yes, I agree. Um, so we talked a little bit there about obviously AI in the context of comms and that sort of thing. But how is Simpler incorporating AI into things like product innovation, for instance, and development?
2: Yeah, you know, one of the things that I love, and obviously I work for Simpler, so I'm very biased. But um, w- when this company was started, AI was something that they, you know, automation and um, intelligent you know, technology was something that they thought about from the beginning. So I like to talk about that because right now it's such a buzzword, but I think the really smart organizations have been using AI in their product development all along. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I would think, you know, I like to think that we have as well. So we kind of look at our own AI at Simpler in, in a couple of different buckets. We look at it as how do we use AI to help our content creators? That's things like we have a writing assistant built into our intranet so that yeah. an you know, whether you're the communicator, or you are the stakeholder, right, or the, the you know, the person we're getting the information from, you can use this writing assistant to get yourself started. And it is collected just within your intranet, So it's, it's not going outside of that, which is helpful, because it's keeping that information proprietary. So again, we think about AI, you know, for content, and how it supports that. We think about it for knowledge. How is AI in improving the search within an intranet? We know that one of the number one ways that employee technology fails is that it has terrible search capability. People mm. are not finding what yes. they need. In fact, I saw this stat recently, and I'd, you know, Kathy, I wonder if you've seen something like this, but where the average person spends two hours a week lost looking for information to do their job or to find what they need, yeah. And I couldn't believe that. That's that's yeah. a long, expensive amount of time. And so we've really at Simpler prioritized how we develop our search and how we develop the explorability of our platform so that people are finding what they need based on the back end on their what they've read in the past, what their roles are etc. So that's you know that's kind of the other area. We we really like to think about it as, you know, AI for knowledge, AI for content. And you know, the the other things is really this AI for insights. And this is where I get so excited when I'm talking to my friends in HR. We have gotten in this culture in HR of of surveying. We, we say, hey, we wanna know how you feel. And so we go to a point in time and we ask you, and maybe it's once a year or maybe it's once a month, but it's certainly not ongoing every day. And this is where I get really, really hopeful that one of the things we're doing is we're using AI to talk about the sentiment below the surface. So how are people commenting within the intranet? what are people reading and how does what does those signals say about the actual culture and feeling of that employee base ongoing daily as opposed to these point in time moments of checking in so I'm very excited about that you know seeing where AI goes and being able to signal for us uh, how people feel.
1: I completely agree um so moving on to employee experience, um, I yeah. suspect from both of our backgrounds, something that's, that's hugely important to us both. Uh, we've been seeing a lot um, of a term, um, I think from Forrester's, around an employee experience winter. Mm-hmm. Um, can you just talk around that a little bit for us and tell us what the primary factors are that are contributing to this? I think it's a really interesting term.
2: Yeah, I think this is a direct result of of the pandemic, of the COVID pandemic, that you know, rightful and the market we're living in, right? And an economic downturn, we're seeing companies question where their as they should, where their money is going. And many, which I think is a mistake, are determining that they should lessen the amount of budget they're giving to employee experience program, you know, programs and and frankly headcount that support those programs. And so what we're seeing is we're seeing there was an influx of funds certainly in 2021, when there was a real in 2020 and 21, when there was a real need for employee experience programs and communicators. Mm-hmm. And now because we have not been able, I believe, to prove the strategic value of employee experience. We're all working on it, but I think we've missed we've missed how we measure. Because of that, we're about to see an even further reduction in how companies are investing in employee experience, and it is very scary. As I sit here in a gray on a gray day full of clouds, I think <laughs> oh my gosh, that's what's going to happen within these organizations. There is going to be a winter now i think we can combat that which is probably what your next i can imagine your next question is um we can combat that in a couple of ways and i think the first way is we have got we as employee experience professionals have to get smart about aligning the outcomes to the programs we're running to the business metrics that matter which are retention revenue and productivity right i mean if we cannot prove that an employee experience program has an impact on revenue, then it's no wonder that people are saying, well, is this necessary? Is this budget important? Because we have to find that match. And so I, I what do you think? Is that something you've experienced too? It,
1: it absolutely is. And I mean, it, in a way, it's it's slightly depressing because, yes. <laughs> was, you know, this is the argument around employee engagement, employee experience um and it has been for years and finding that way to assert to the business and commercial mind that it does hit the bottom line yeah is really hard and it it in a way has to be exactly as you say it has to be in those business terms and those business metrics that they understand but for those yeah. of us who feel it almost. It's it's a
2: no-brainer. I don't I know. I don't understand why leaders don't get it. <laughs> I, I really know. I, I know. And I think there's so many obvious is obvious and maybe it is obvious only, you know, if a leader is only focused on bottom line, which we all know leaders cannot be and should not be, or they will fail. But if they are, they're missing the impact of programs like recognition and how one piece of recognition for an employee Could potentially make them more productive for a week or even a month. And what does that mean? That means that productivity ultimately trickles down to revenue. (laughs) And I, but, but I, I can, I think it's, it's a plight we've lived in. And I am tired of living in that plight. I am, and which is why I feel like I'm always talking about that connection because we cannot just sit in it. We're going to, we're going to be left behind and we're going to be in a winter where we lose our budgets and we lose our headcounts if we don't start taking it very seriously mm. and speaking the language of those financial decision makers.
1: And one of the things that I have always found to be effective is talking in terms of risk and long-term consequence, because very often yes. a language of risk will will hit at that level. Um, yes. And I mean, that might be interesting to, you know, what, what, what are the consequences that organizations might see if they fail to make that focus on ex
2: well you know think about uh, one example in particular which is you know this is where ex and change management come in my opinion come very closely together so think about an organization that spent let's say a million dollars on an hr a new hr system for example Now the HR team and the business, they've invested all this money. If they just drop that new technology to an employee without all of the change management, which includes the employee experience, there thinking Mm -hmm. about what employees need, how they use something, why they want to use it. Let's just say that you only get adoption. I mean, they are hanging on the adoption of the employees really getting behind Whatever this technology this HR technology they're introducing, even if you have only if you get sixty percent adoption, which frankly would be very generous, yeah, yeah. you are still in a year losing almost two hundred thousand this is in us dollars, but two hundred thousand dollars worth of value in one year. Those are the kinds of risk you cannot risk. That is a huge risk. I mean you've invested in a big platform. And if it fails because you have failed to engage your employees into the reasons why this technology is actually going to make their lives better, you know, maybe it's things like helping them with payroll or helping them figure out taxes or even helping them just track their time. If they don't know how to use that, they're going to, the business is impacted. I mean, you're talking about a 25% impact on your investment things like that speak to the leadership i think because the risk is that you invest money and it's wasted and we certainly don't want that to happen right so that's kind of one one very Mm. financial related there are many other risks and i'm sure you can speak to this related to the employees you know the the employee experience the culture being impacted oh I just we could go on and on I'm sure about that we really could so in fact I'm going to
1: move us neatly on (laughs) (laughs) perfect topic which is uh, around emerging trends and innovation in internal comms so um, what are some of the most exciting trends that you're seeing at the moment that are going to shape that future of of
2: employee experience through internal comms yeah you know a, a couple I think one you know particularly in organizations that are very have a very small internal communications team their bandwidth is very limited and so they often are having to speak to the masses as opposed to personalization right they and this is where i'm excited because i think both ai and just generally starting to think about things like learning styles and um let me let me dig into the learning styles one because i get really excited about about this one where, you know Let's say I've spent, you know, an hour or two writing a beautiful, long communication that I feel like is answers all the questions and is all of the things. And then I have an employee who it doesn't consume. They're not a reader, reader, writer, learner. They're an auditory learner, for example, or a visual learner. And what happens is when I've spent all this great time beautifully crafting this wonderful piece of communication and they get it, and they think, I don't want to read this long of a thing. I know that there are multiple technologies being developed out there that will automatically turn those things into an an audio message for them, Mm -hmm. shorten those things into a brief, bulleted communication, maybe even create a quick visual. And this is where I do think AI is going to influence also Mm -hmm. internal comms. But I get so excited thinking about being able to personalize the way that things are delivered oh, yeah. that gets me very excited and the other thing i think that's emerging is this idea and I, I don't even have an example but where capacity of an employee is being considered you know we we kind of communicate mass in mass in mass function yeah and we don't think about right that the employee is Again, in a big project, maybe they're at the end of a certain time of year that they're working very hard. Maybe they're on vacation. Maybe they're doing all this. We don't have a way to track that capacity for the individual. Mm-hmm. I think we're going to start to see tech employee experience technology doing that. And what that's going to do for internal comms, it's going to be able to be more effective. You're going to say, "Ooh, this is not the day to deliver that communication. Tomorrow is better because the employee has more capacity to consume it and understand it. And it's going to be in the format that they best want. So that that gets me really excited. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I think one last trend that I'm seeing is just this consolidation of employee technology, where instead of asking employees to go over here to do one thing and there to do another and go on this weird platform to do this, we're gonna start to see both employees and communicators saying, pull this all together in one platform. We cannot send people 20 different places. It is not productive. It is not enjoyable. So start thinking about how we can consolidate that. And that's going to save money and it's going to save energy. And so I think we're going to start to see a big trend in companies doing that. That's
1: really interesting. Um, slightly related, I suppose, to the learning styles and the different formats that people appreciate. Are you seeing... Uh, a a sort of an incoming trend around um, neurodivergence and how we deal with neurodivergent employees and I'm, I ask because I've recently been diagnosed with ADHD and it's made me realise how differently I consume oh. communication to other people and I'm obviously because I've got my eye on it I now see it more but I'm interested on your professional view as to whether or not you're seeing that come through
2: absolutely and i think that anybody that is not considering that is is tapping into what we just talked about which is mm-hmm. the you know we want to support employees to do the best work possible for them right and yes. if we are not considering the different learning styles the neurodivergence of these employees then i think we're missing we're missing out. And, mm-hmm. you know, I, I was very lucky in my career to I spent about uh, I spent 10 years at Yahoo and I spent five years at GoDaddy and both of these organizations really were, I think, ahead of the curve in how they were thinking about these things. There were beyond just employee resource groups. It was very obvious, right? If you had ADHD and you were comfortable sharing that, you might, for example, put that in your profile. And what does that mean? You may then be able to give guidance to your colleagues or your peers or anybody you were working with to say, hey, this is who I am. This is how I work. This is how I will best perform the task or the program you need me to do. And so I think that the smartest organizations are embracing these things. They are making them obvious. They are providing support for them. Um, There's just so much. There's so much to come. And I think it is absolutely in the best. I'll also one thing and, and, Kathy, we certainly don't have to keep this in the podcast, but when I was at um, Yahoo, I worked with this really incredible woman who had also been diagnosed late, you know, later in, you know, in her, her thirties with, with ADD or ADHD. And she created this organization called the Kaleidoscope Society, because we know that many women in particular are diagnosed very late or overlooked. And so that resource i found to be really incredible and, 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 mm-hmm. and. You know, when she, when this woman created this, she was at Yahoo and Yahoo then promoted it internally. It had nothing to do with the company, but it had everything to do with this high performer, yep. really culture driving employee. And that is what I want to see more of. That's a great story. I love that. Absolutely <laughs> fabulous.
1: Yeah. Um, so I'm going to ask you one final question, Carolyn, if okay. I may. Of um, course. So what are the biggest challenges that you think are currently facing internal comms professionals?
2: I think it all goes back to budget and being able to, again, connect this work, which is sometimes seen as fluffy and, you know, emotional and being able to say, that is not it, you all. This is the connection to bottom line, to all of those things. So I I think the biggest challenge we have is being able to up-level ourselves, to speak the language of the business. And to make those connections so they don't see us as nice to have, they see it as as critical as the finance department. That is the biggest challenge. And I think we can overcome it if we all just collectively start to focus on measurement and connecting the dots. So
1: you you and I could definitely talk (laughs) all of this. (laughs) Yes. It's been a real pleasure to talk to you, Carolyn. Um, before we log off, I just want to say a huge thank you to, to you, Carolyn, for your time and obviously to Simpler for sponsoring today's episode. It's been really fascinating, I think, to hear what the future holds for the industry. Um, and I'm sure that our listeners will feel the same. So thank you for joining us and take care. Oh, thank you so much.